Well, Merry Christmas to you. I'm excited. It's Christmas time. I think the older I get, the more that I really enjoy Christmas. It's good to see many of you we haven't seen in a while. It's great to see some new faces. If you're at home watching us online, Merry Christmas. We miss you. We hope you're safe, and we hope you have an awesome holiday. Uh, I was excited for tonight, not just because it's Christmas Eve, and I love to preach for Christmas Eve. I was excited because I knew Connor was telling his Christmas Eve story. And I got to tell you a little bit of the backstory because I was sitting on my end of it all um, where I saw Connor and Mackenzie post this picture on Facebook of this tree they got. And I just started laughing because I knew what was going to happen. I knew the struggle they were going to have getting it on their car and getting it home and getting it in the house. I knew about the takedown and everything that was going to come. So I just, I was just sitting there laughing and I shouldn't have laughed because I got mine last year too. See, the problem is, like, I, I'm not a real tris, Christmas tree guy. You know, something always went wrong when we were growing up with them. Well, um, so my wife, she, she kept harping on me, got to get a real tree. Got to get a real tree. Finally, you know what, I was thinking about it, and one of my friends owns a tree farm, and he was like, I'll give you a free tree. I don't like trees. I like free. <laughs> so we got a tree. We got a tree. A couple days later, I was at work, and I get a text from my wife with a picture and it says spiders everywhere. Apparently there was a spider nest in the tree and it had, it had you know, birthed a bunch of spiders. And I, like, I'm thinking like Christmas tree, this is like Halloween tree, this is disaster. Now I gotta admit like, you know, there are some texts when you get it and you're at work and you can't help out and you're like, ah, oh, I really wish I could help you, but I didn't even bother saying that then. <laughs> I was just like, good luck, you know? Like, man, they got a whole spider army at this point. My kids got the vacuum cleaner out there going to town there. Man, it, it, it was just, it was a good time. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I missed it. There's just some things that don't really go with Christmas. And spider army, that's at the top of the list, right? We talk about, you know, Christmas and, and things that don't go with it. I think there's something that, that does go with Christmas. And it's something we as a church, we take, we take especially near to our hearts, where every year we try to on Christmas Eve, we say, you know what, uh, we, we want to, uh, we're, we're going to give any offering that comes in tonight, we're going to give it to a local family in need. And so we're going to do that again this year. I'm excited about that. Um, this is cool. Usually I just kind of leave it vague this year. I want to I wanna tell you a little bit more because we as a church, one of our values is we expect God to do great things because he always has. We have faith. We see that. And, and so uh, this year we reached out to um, a local elementary school that we built a relationship with Southside Elementary where uh, we reached out to the principal and we said, do you know a family in need? And, uh, and really, as we step back and look at it now, the timing was just total, total God in control where uh, the next morning he goes in and, and the social worker comes and we just got this family in need and, and we don't know how to help him. And he's like, we got a church that wants to help. And so I want to tell you a little bit about this family and, uh, and just, you know, let your heart connect with them. They're first-generation refugees. They moved to America because they lost everything in an earthquake. When I, mean, when I say everything, I mean everything. Um, recently, the father abandoned them three weeks ago, leaving a mother with three children to care for, uh, not only dealing with the abandonment, but the need and just the uncertainty of life. The, the oldest child, 14 years old, has a chronic illness that likely won't let him live past the age of 16. 
Um, mother obviously is not not willing to work. She's just you know helping out round the clock to uh, to care for him. And so anything that we collect tonight, either you can go to SusquehannaValley.church um, and you can give online, or there's baskets in the back of the room. Uh, anything we give is going to go towards helping to pay for gas, pay for utilities. Um, to, to just come alongside them in a time of need uh, because that's really what Christmas is about. That, that's what God wants us as a church to be about. That's what I want to challenge us as individuals to be about, that, that we, would, we would be a church that just exudes God's love for those who are in desperate circumstances. I think when I think about Christmas, I think of God's association with those who are in a situation of need. You think of it, God is, God is really demonstrating how much he cares about those and he wants to relate with those who are in difficult times. I mean, he, he could have chosen to be born to royalty, but he's chosen, he chooses to be born to peasants in a peasant town, in a peasant village. And, and where is he born? Not, not, in the, not in the palace, not, not at a doctor's. He's born in the stable and he stays in a manger. It's a story of God connecting and associating with people that, that are usually overlooked. Even the first people to announce his birth are the lowly shepherds. See, I, I want us this, this, this night to, uh, to reflect on a story that we don't usually think about with Christmas. But I think it's a story that has a lot of parallels. It's a story of the Good Samaritan. A story of Jesus' deep passion to help those who are in need. Now, when I say in need, I don't want you to just think those who are in financial need because really the, the reality is, we, we've used this phrase the last couple of weeks, is we talk about God's heart for the downtrodden. And downtrodden is not just those who maybe worry about the next bill. It's those who worry about life you know, as a whole. It's those who've been berated or looked down or just stuck in a situation they can't get out of. And I want us to look at the Good Samaritan because I want you to see Jesus' deep passion to reach people like that. Luke chapter 10 and verse 30, this conversation has kind of spawned out of this desire where a group of religious leaders are talking about eternal life and, and then Jesus takes it to something very practical and he says that you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. And they say, well, who's your neighbor? And so Jesus teaches in, in verse 30 of chapter 10, he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to, to the place, when he saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The religious expert answered, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father God, I, I ask that we as a church can be a church that goes and does likewise. And that each one of us are a person that goes and does likewise. Lord, that we are people who are willing to give in order to help. And when I say give, Lord, maybe not even just superficially, but Lord, sacrificially, that we would see needs and say, how can I come alongside a person and love them and help them to be as you would like them to be? 
We ask this in your son's name. Amen. This is, this is an incredible story. I don't know what your religious upbringing is. I don't know what your background is. I've read this story most of my life. I love this story. It's got to connect with you. I don't know of a better teaching on, on what genuine and authentic love is. I think you could look throughout anywhere in the world, and this, this is about as good as it gets, if not the best example of what real, genuine love is. You know what I really love about the story is kind of the way it's set up. You've got the religious elite, the people who have spent their entire lives studying the scriptures, mostly so they could impress people, mostly so that they could look good. And what's ironic is that those who had trained their entire lives had missed and overlooked the most obvious application of what the scriptures teach, to love those in need to love those who are in situations of, of desperation. Look, I hope tonight we're not the people who overlook the obvious application. I hope we're not the people who miss the opportunity to go and do likewise because we're people who bear a resemblance to the Good Samaritan. We're people who, who look like him in two ways. One, we understand that some interruptions are worthy interruptions. And two, some sacrifices are just worth significant sacrifice. A worthy interruption. We'll start there. You see, the Samaritan, Samaritan would have been on a journey just like the other two guys, the priests and the Levites. You didn't travel that journey unless you were going somewhere for, for a reason. You ever been going somewhere for a reason and something gets in your way? What do you typically say? If you're anything like me, usually I'll say something like, just what I need. Just what I need right now. It's, it's in my way. It's, it's preventing me from something I want to accomplish. And, and what Jesus shows us through the Good Samaritan is a person whose who's love for somebody else overwhelmed his agenda that was in front of him. That, that what rose to the top of his priorities was not whatever else he was trying to do. It was a person. And the opportunity to genuinely love a person. The great challenge that this comes to our society with is that we are so agenda-based, accomplishment-based, achievement-based people that we tend to base our lives off of schedules, not people. We tend to worry about the next thing, not what's right in front of us. You know what I love, the text, Ephesians chapter two and verse 10, says that God created us, that we are God's, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I, I feel like the Samaritan sees a guy, guy laying on the side of the road. He's half dead. I feel like he sees him and he says, this is an opportunity that God has prepared me for. This was prepared in advance for me. This isn't in my way. This isn't an inconvenience. This isn't even an altar in my plans. This is God's plan. This is an opportunity for me to accomplish what God has prepared for me. God has prepared me for this very moment. You're not in my way. You are part of my way. You're why I'm here. It's not an interruption. It's an opportunity so that we're not driven by accomplishments, but we're driven by love. Love that calls for a significant sacrifice. Think about your life. What are some of the greatest sacrifices that you've made? I thought about for me, you know, times when I gave up, gave up some of my time. 
gave up, you know, changed plans to, to help somebody out or, or maybe gave up some money. And what I saw was this trend that every single time these, these significant sacrifices I made were things where I let go of something I want to give someone what they need. I let go of what I wanted to be able to give somebody what they needed. I let go of money that I wanted. I let go of an object that I wanted. I let go of time that I wanted. I let go of free time to give somebody what they needed. I think when Jesus asks the question, which one of these is a neighbor? I think really what he's asking is, who met a need at the cost of a want? Who met a need at the cost of a want? See, the priest and the Levite, they weren't willing to pay that price, were they? They passed by, they avoided, they stayed on the other side of the road. And if we're honest, we can be pretty good at that. They weren't willing to pay a want to meet a need. See, but they, they wanted security. They wanted safety. They wanted convenience. They wanted continuity. They, wanted, they just wanted their day to go as they had a, intended their day to go, and they weren't willing to make a sacrifice, but the Samaritan was. And I would imagine the Samaritan wanted all the same things in life that they wanted, but he was willing to sacrifice a want to meet a need. You know, I mentioned how this thing started where a conversation with one of these religious leaders and, and Jesus and, and this man is talking about Jesus' desire for us to love our neighbor and, and this religious expert, he goes, who's my neighbor? As if to say, who are the people I love so I can understand who I love and who I don't have to love? And Jesus' response is that, that you don't really need direction and, and indication as to who your neighbor is. What you need to understand is the important thing is not finding a neighbor. The important thing is being a neighbor. It, it's not about knowing who to love. It's about having a heart that's willing to love anyone. It's the heart of a neighbor. neighbor. It, it's, it's the idea that we would be people who are ready to have mercy looking for opportunities. And the implication then is that each one of us should be a person ready for the opportunity to show mercy because God prepared us for just that. You know, a bunch of years ago, I worked at a, at a restaurant and I was a server and I, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. You get to meet a lot of different people. It was fast paced. And I remember the night that I was trained and I had a, you know, a server who'd been there for a while. Her name, her name was Tiff. Tiff was awesome. Um, she ended up becoming a good friend of mine. And, and Tiff, uh, Tiff was taking me around and she was training me. And you know what a training day is like where you're getting all the rules and all the procedures and all the policies and the safety and this is how you do it. And it, it's boring, right? And then about an hour or two into the evening, the restaurant gets slammed. I mean, like customers waiting out the, the door. You got cooks that are crazy, servers running everywhere. And one by one, Tiff started to take shortcut after shortcut. And I could just go down a list and cross off every one of the things she told me how I was supposed to do it. And she looked at me in the heat of the moment and she goes, I guess this is just one of those days where you do what I say, not what I do. I was like, well, you just contradicted everything. You know what I love about Jesus? No contradiction, none. Jesus is never a do as I say, not as I do God. Because not only does he ask us and does he show us what it means to be the good, example, the, the, the good Samaritan, he is the good Samaritan. Think about this. 
At this very moment, Jesus was standing there teaching them about how they should leave a place of comfort to minister and to help those who are in need. He is God who has left a place of comfort standing in front of them ministering to people who are in need. He's the good Samaritan right in front of them. He's making, he's making the sacrifice. He's taking the opportunity. Look at how scripture presents it in Philippians chapter two. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, the Good Samaritan is not only a great challenge to you and I, it, it's, the perfect, it's the perfect analogy for what Christmas is all about. That God showed up in the most humble circumstances at cost to himself to love us. You see, one of the things the scripture presents is this idea that, that the world's not that great, that it's broken, that there's this thing called sin that has just has entered it like a disease and has compromised all of it that this world is so inwardly turned because it's spiritually dead, that, that there's a reason that, that hate is on the headlines so much because hate lives in our heart. And I would bet if we took an honest look, we'd all see it at some point we've shown hate. And God says this is a sign of the fact that we're spiritually dead, but Jesus in his great passion to rescue becomes the good Samaritan. And so we talk about the birth of Jesus and we naturally think about the death of Jesus where he died so that we could be right. To, to, to clean up, to heal that which was broken. A couple weeks ago, um, I, was, I was in the house and you know, we were in quarantine and life was a little hectic and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help my wife out. We, we kind of divvy up responsibilities. I do cooking and she does laundry and, and stuff. And, and I thought, I'm gonna help her out. I'm gonna do the laundry, right? And so I got one of those, we, we just got one of those Costco size tubs of laundry detergent, which weighs like 800 pounds. You know, it's like, it's got like 40 gallons of laundry detergent in there. And, uh, and so I, I, you know, put a little cap in the, the washer and then I close it up and, and uh, I walk away and I walk, I come back like an hour and a half later to check on it. Apparently in my efforts to close the washer lid, the, the tub of detergent falls off onto the floor cap breaks off and I had a whole hour to just pour out not onto a hardwood floor carpeted floor now how do you figure out how to clean that up right and I'm just looking at it like I want to blame this on one of the kids <laughs> and I might <laughs> but this is me and I'm gonna clean it up and so I sat there for the next three four hours just scraping it up Scraping it up, pouring a little bit of water to get some more out, vacuuming, do everything I can, little by little, make it a little better, make it a little better, and, and then, then it'll hopefully one day go away. I think that's how we think of the Bible, and I think that's how we think of life and spirituality, that, that Jesus is just a good example where I'll make myself a little better, and I'll make myself a little better, and I'll make myself a little better, and eventually it'll be all cleaned up. What the scripture presents to us, and, and reject it or not, this, this is what it teaches. 
that you're not in a situation where you're sitting on the side of the road and you had a rough go of it and you got to clean yourself up and you pick yourself up and you get back to it. What the scripture really teaches, it presses the analogy of the, the good Samaritan even further that you're not sitting on the side of the road hurting, you're, you're dead. You're dead. You're spiritually, in a spiritual reality, you're dead. But the good news is that there's a God who offers life. And so Jesus is not a good Samaritan. He's really the ultimate Samaritan. And he comes to die on the cross so that we can have life through him. See, I, I love this. I love this reality because when we think about it, and this might be a little bit morbid, but we think about it, there's something that's gonna take every one of our lives. But what Jesus offers is somebody who gives life. Spiritual life on earth and life after death. And I hope this Christmas, like my, my, my hope, really, my hope is that you become a Christian. That's not something you earn. That's not something that you just come back next week and that makes you a Christian because you come to church here. Becoming a Christian means that you say, you know what? I needed Jesus to do for me what he did on the cross. He was there paying for my sin to give me the hope of life after death. I hope you become a Christian. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 so for, says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you, through his poverty, might become rich. And so I pray this Christmas that you don't neglect the needs of others, that you are a good Samaritan to the people in your life. But I also pray that you don't neglect the needs to your own soul, that you'll never find a greater love than the love that Jesus Christ offers. Never be called to love others more than Jesus Christ calls you to love others. And so I, I guess my question for you is, what is this Christmas? Is this just a, a solution to kind of alleviate some of the chaos that was 2020? Or is this the beginning of something new? Yeah, it, this was all a little bit different for everybody this year. And, and I was thinking about it. Um, we actually put our Christmas tree up prior to Thanksgiving. We're just like, we're, just, we're moving on. It's Christmas. We're going to do it. We're going to skip Thanksgiving. We're going to go right to Christmas. Everything will be better. But even so, like, it didn't really feel like Christmas. Like, we put lights up outside, and, and we, we did different things. It didn't really feel like Christmas, that is, until we finally watched Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> that was the moment it all clicked. Connor and I were talking about that. He didn't even know there was a movie. He didn't even know there's an Ernest. So he looked it up, 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. We need to get some better people working for Rotten Tomatoes because I'll tell you what, that is a classic, classic movie. The whole premise is you got this goofball who saves Christmas. How many movies, how many shows, how many books do you read about somebody saving something? I think it's because deep down, we know that not just Christmas, not just a holiday, not just a relationship needs saved, I think we recognize deep down that this world is broken to the point where it needs saved. That's what Christmas is about. I read this story of incredible humility of God being born in a manger to die on a cross so that he could love us, so that he could bring us life. Let's pray. Lord, I look at this challenge and I think we all want this. We all want to be loving and sacrificial and we want to view people as not in the way. We want to view them as valued. I think we want that because you made us to be that people. You made us to be like that. This is part of how you design the world. That really what's most satisfying is to be loved and to love. 
Lord, this Christmas, I pray that our heart would be there, that our actions would be there, and we'd be people of incredible generosity towards those in need, incredible kindness because of how kind you've been to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.